Thanks for joining us here at New Song Church, where we are helping people to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you have any questions at all or just want to learn more about us as a church, you can check us out online at mynsc.org. It's the best way to stay connected with us throughout your week. And now, check out this week's sermon. Are you ready to study the Word of God, yes or no? All right. We got somebody who's ready. I love that. Now, if everybody would have done that, I would have fallen flat on my, my face. That was awesome. We are going to continue this series called Habits, and it is the power of routine. We, we say it this way, small disciplines, small dif- disciplines with big results, small disciplines with big results. Last week, we started about the Word of God. This week, we're going to continue about the Word of God, and uh, before we get too far into this, I want, I want to take a, um, this is just going to be some Bible trivia, 10 questions that I want you to answer, and every time you get a question right, I'm just going to read the question, give you a moment to think about it, and then I'm going to tell you the answer. And if you get the answer right with all integrity, with all integrity, don't fib, okay, uh, just put a check mark down and just say, yep, got, got that one right, and, and we're going to see who gets the most out of all 10 questions, who gets all, all of them right. I want to say this, I, I got to brag a little bit. I, I got them all right, okay, I got them all right. The only person, we only had one person in the first service that got them all right, and that was uh, Pastor Dan Pierce who taught at, at Encounter yesterday. He was the only one in the first person, in the first service that got them all right. So this is, this is a real competition, and the reward for this is gonna be amazing, okay? So um, if you get them all right, just, just let us know, but you gotta keep track, you gotta keep track, all right? And it's, it's based upon, it's just integrity, like grade your own, Quiz, right, right here, right now, right? Grade your own test. All right, first question. Who found honey inside the body of a dead lion? Who found honey inside the body of a dead lion? Now, let me give you a little, a little even a little hint, because you're, you're staring at me like, mm. he wasn't supposed to do that. I'm going to tell you like that. He wasn't supposed to do that. He wasn't supposed to touch anything dead. Maybe that will help you a little bit. And the answer is, if you know what, say it. Samson. Samson is the answer. Number two, Elisha purified a pot of stew. Now, this is a little bit harder. Elisha purified a pot of stew that had been poisoned with what? He purified a pot of stew that had been poisoned with what? With what? Now, this is a little bit tougher. They're not always this tough, but some of you are going to get this one. And the answer is wild gourds. Wild Gourds. By the look of your faces, I don't see many people that got that. Okay, number three, what did the devil say Jesus should turn into bread while he fasted in the wilderness? He, he said, remember, hey, 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 if you're hungry, why don't you just turn this or these into bread? I'm going to give you another hint. They're everywhere in Israel, everywhere. And the answer is stones. The answer is stones. Number four, who traded his birthright? To his brother for some brew. brew. (laughs) Now that's funny. Um, Stew is what I meant. Some stew and some bread. I put bread and stew together, I think, and brew. Not not for a beer. I promise you it was not that. You're like, I would have done that totally. Okay, so. That's funny right there. That is hilarious. Some bread and actually lentil stew. Who, who did that? Who traded his birthright for that? 
And the answer is Esau, Esau. What insect, this is easier for those Bible beginners, what insect did John the Baptist eat in the wilderness? He ate something, it was an insect, what was it? You got three seconds to think of it. Locusts was the answer. Number six, what did the widow make for the prophet Elijah? What did she make for the prophet Elijah? I'll I'll tell you this, Elijah was hungry, so it had to be a food item. What did she make for the prophet Elijah when he was hungry? The answer is bread, bread. Number seven, who woke up under a, under a tree and found an angel had cooked food for him? So you obviously know it's a guy. He woke up, he was underneath a tree, and voila, there was food cooked by an angel. Who was it? Elijah. Elijah is the answer. Number eight, what type of bird did God provide for Israel in the desert? He, he, they wanted some meat, and he provided, he provided a bird for them. And actually, we have this bird here in, in Indiana. The answer is quail, quail. One of the most beautiful sounds. I, I can't whistle right now. Somebody else do it. Bob White, Bob White, there you go. My whistler isn't whistling this morning. Um, Name one of the foods that Moses' spies brought back from Canaan. Remember, they sent the spies into the land of Canaan, and they brought back three different things, but you just need one of them. Only one. Only one out of three. But I'll tell you all three. So just take a few seconds. Think about that. What did they bring back from the land of Canaan? The answer is grapes, pomegranates, and figs. That's right, figs. Uh, only one more. We're on, we're on number 10 right here. When his brothers came to buy food, in whose sack did Joseph place his cup? So remember, Joseph was like the head of, 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 of uh, really everything underneath the Pharaoh, and he, he got the entire land prepared for the famine, and his, his family came to visit. They didn't know that it was him, but there was one of them missing, and, and he, he kind of played this little game with them, and he put it... So who was it, who was it, in whose sack did Joseph place his cup? Anybody know? Benjamin, Benjamin is the name. So okay, so there's the quiz, we got it right there. Now, by a show of hands, with all integrity, how many got all 10 right? Raise your hand, all 10 right. Okay, who was not at the first service? You were not at the first service, and you still, I saw Jeremy's hand go back up there too. I'm like, yeah, you cheated, man. You cheated. Without being a cheater in, in all integrity, who got all 10 right? Anybody? Anybody? Where are my children at? My own children didn't. Okay, I won't. I won't. Okay, how many got nine out of 10 right? Nine out of 10. We got a couple. We got three. We got four. Is that right? Five that got all. Okay, so here's what you get for getting getting the highest score. Absolutely nothing. I have nothing for you. You just get the benefit of saying, hey, I won today. I am a winner. Okay, and for the rest of you, you're all losers. How? 
can't believe that. I'm just playing, I'm playing with you. Um, um, let me tell you this, as we uh, go to your sermon notes, and I wanna just make a statement before we go any further, and I didn't wanna have you fill in the blank, so I just kinda wrote it there, that there are 66 books in the Bible, and they were written over the course of 1,500 years by 40 different authors, and really on three different continents too, by the way, and they are consistent, and this is, this is what I wanna say, they are consistent with history, congruent with truth, and converge into one person, and that is the person of Jesus Christ, God's Son. Like everything in the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, all point to the person, the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ. And what's so amazing about the story of Jesus in the Bible itself, that all of these prophecies that came true, not only about Jesus, but also prophecies that are coming true and have come true about our, our day and age right now, Right, like right here, right, right now, this moment in history, there, there are things that were prophesied hundreds and hundreds of years ago that, were, that we have seen come to pass in our generation. It's absolutely amazing. But I, I want to take it even further. The odds of, of multiple writers making prophecies about the Lord Jesus Christ and all of them coming true. In fact, if you just took eight and only eight biblical prophecies, and there are a lot more than that, if you only took eight biblical prophecies about Jesus and all of them came true, the odds of that happening are not one in a million, not one in a billion, not one in a trillion, but one in 10 to the 17th power. That's the odds of just eight prophecies all coming true concerning one person, the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible is consistent with history. We, we were just in Jerusalem, everybody. We actually just, all, we went all through Israel. And from the top of Israel to the, to the southmost part of Israel, where the Bible said that these things happen, they are digging there right now. And guess what they're finding? Exactly what the Bible said happened. Like, if they, if they want to know where a city is or where this battle was, where do they go for their information to find out where that battle took place or where that city is? They go to the Word of God. And when they follow the Word of God, and they, then they go out to that site and start digging, guess what they find? They find exactly what the Bible said would be there. And it happens over and over and over and over again. It is consistent with history. It is congruent with truth, which was what we're going to talk about today. And it all converges on the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Number one, I want you to write this down, that the Bible is an eternal book written by an eternal God to eternal beings. And that's you and I. We are eternal beings that once a person is conceived, that person whether they end up in heaven or whether they end up in hell, that person is an eternal being that you are going to live forever. And the Bible is an eternal book written by an eternal God to eternal beings. And I want you to think about that thought. That, that thought alone should amaze you. In fact, the Bible says in Psalm 119, verse 89, it says that your word, Lord, is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens, meaning it's not only eternal, but it is unchangeable. 
It is unchangeable. It, it, is, it is something that is eternal, and it is eternal without change. So people can go in there and they can try to add to it. They can try to take away from it. They can even disagree with it. But the Bible is very, very clear. The word of God stands forever. It is unchangeable. It is eternal. Number two, write this down. That the Bible is also a spiritual book written by the Holy Spirit to spiritual beings. The Bible is a spiritual book written by the Holy Spirit to spiritual beings. Now, and, and that, that might sound a little bit weird if you're not used to, I, I mean, it's kind of like church talk right there, that it's a spiritual book written by the Holy Spirit to spiritual beings. And let, let me tell you something about you that you might not know. It, 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 let me say it like this, that all of us, the Bible says, we were created in the image of God. And we know something about God, that he is one God in three persons. We have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Well, we were created in the image of God, and like the image of God, we, were all, we also have three parts to us, that we are spirit, we have a soul, the soul is mind, will, and emotions, and we live in a body. We are spirit, we have a soul, we live in a body. If you say, well, I don't, I, you know, how do we know that that's true? Well, uh, first of all, the Bible says so, and I'm going to read something out of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. This is my favorite verse concerning who we are as people, as, as created in the image of God. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. And may your whole, what's this, spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul is telling us, as he's writing to the church at Thessalonica, hey, listen, you are a person, you're an individual, but you're made up of three parts. We are spirit, we have a soul, we have mind, will, and emotions, and we live in a body. So we know that when we go to funerals and you're saying goodbye to somebody that you dearly love, that, I, that, that, that body is just a shell, that they are, not, they are no longer there that the spirit has been taken. In fact, the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Why is that? Because you are spirit. You are an eternal being. You're a spirit. You have a soul, mind, will, and emotions, and you live in a body. And that's exactly what Paul was teaching as well. So, we're, it, so the Bible is a spiritual book written by the Holy Spirit to spiritual being. Now, with that in mind, I want, I want you to think about these verses right here. And the first two is going to be a foundation for the third. Here we go. John 17, 17 says this, sanctify them by the truth. Well, what is truth? Your word is truth. The word of God is truth. The word of God should be the foundation of your life. The, the, everything that happens in your life should be in comparison to the Word of God, whether it aligns with the Word of God or not. The Word of God is truth. The Word of God is true. What is truth? Remember when, when uh, Pilate asked that of Jesus, well, what is truth? The, 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 the word truth is defined as something that is equal to or, uh, let me say it this way, something that is the same as or equal to the original. It is the same as or equal to the original. Same as or equal to the original. So, so when we talk about truth and we say God's word is true, what it's saying is God's word is the same as and equal to the original, which is, who is let me say this, who is God? How many knows that God has always been and will, and will always, will, he always will be? He is God. 
He is God. And the word of God is true. It is the same as and equal to the original. It, tell us, it tells us about God. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Same as and equal to the original. So when we read the Bible, we're reading about the character and the nature of God. And then we base our life upon the truth. And when we do that, our lives are blessed. So if we, we look at modern day terms and we say when something is true or not, I, I want you to think of construction. And I want you to think of one of the most, one of the most basic construction ideas that have, has ever been, and we still use it to this day, and it's called a plumb line. Now, at the end of the string, you have a weight. And if you hold this string up, and you let the weight settle at the bottom, guess what that's going to be? It's going to be true. And what you build off of that plumb line, if you build according to it, it too will be true. It'll be the same as and equal to the original. Meaning this, if you're framing a house and you have a plumb line here, but, but you decide to build the studs at an angle, those studs are not true. And your house is going to fall over. There is a house on Michigan Street. Now you're going to wonder which one I'm talking about. And, and I'm sorry about this because I'm not going to tell you which one it is. Because uh, I don't even, it, it's not, it's, it would take too long anyway. And if you drive down Michigan Street, I will tell you this, it's south of Penguin Point, And it's on the east side of the road. And there is a house that if you look at it, it, it is tilted. It is at an angle. And that house, I would say that that house is not true. And at some point, they're going to have to do something about that because it'll just keep leaning and leaning and leaning, and eventually, it'll just fall over. And if you build your life on something that isn't true, eventually, you're going to start leaning and leaning and leaning, and there's going to be wounds, pain, destruction and turmoil because you are not building your life on something that is true. What is true? God's word is true. God's word is the same as and equal to the original. Okay, so, so it's very important to know that the word of God is true. John 16, 13 says, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, the spirit of truth, the spirit who is the same as and equal to the original, how many think that's pretty cool? The Spirit of God is the same as and equal to the original. Jesus Christ is, he said, I and the Father are one. I am the same as and equal to the, the Father. Now, one God, three persons. And you say, well, I don't get that. Well, can I tell you something? The greatest theologian in all the world doesn't get that. Like, it's too mysterious for us. It's too big of a thought for us. And we describe it to the best of our ability. But how many know when, that when you use a clover, it's not very good to describe God? Like one, one plant with three leaves. Really? We're talking about God. It's an egg. You have the shell. You have the white. You have the, Really? God is not an egg. Okay? He's one God. Miraculous, awe-inspiring God in three persons. God the Father. God the Son. God the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says, but when he comes, the spirit of truth, who is same as and equal to the original, when he comes, he will guide you into all truth. He'll guide you into all truth. So we need the help of the Holy Spirit to guide us. In fact, I want to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 
And this will be in your screen, but I'm just going to read it from uh, my Bible because I just didn't have it in room enough in your notes to put this in there. But 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, it starts out like this. However, as it is written, so this is from the word of God, and that means it is true. It is true. What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. These are the things that God has revealed to us. And how did he do that? By his spirit. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thought except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. What we have received is not the spirit of the world, Because the world is trying to teach you lessons that are contrary to the word of God. And when the world is teaching you lessons, you need to shut them off. Because they are not true. The word of God is true, and our lives need to be built upon that. So what we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. Now, I'm going to explain this to you in a second. All right, everybody? The person without the Spirit, how many knows that when we accept the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes in and takes over? Like we are, at that moment, we are filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, so the person without the Spirit, you could say it this way, the person that has not trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, the person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness. Remember, the Bible says that the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. You see how the Bible proves itself over and over and over again? It's amazing, absolutely amazing. So the person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. Only through the Spirit. The Word of God can be discerned only through the work of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the Holy Spirit guides us, John 16, 13, guides us into all truth. So as you study the Word of God, you need to know that the Word of God is true, That everything that stands in opposition to the word of God is a lie. If it is not true, then if it is not true, then it must be a lie. And you know this because if your kids come to you and they don't tell you the truth, you would say to them, you are lying because what you're saying is not true. So if something is not lining up with the word of God, then it is not true, and that means it is, a, it is a lie. And who came up with that lie? Well, the devil did. The Bible says that the devil is the, is the father, is the, you could say this, the developer, the author, the initiator of all lies. And this world and demonic forces and Satan himself will lie to you. And you say, well, how do I know if it's a lie? That's easy. Is it opposed to the word of God? And if it stands in opposition to the word of God, which is true, 
then it must be a lie. Let me say it this way. No matter how good of a lie, it sounds like it is. I don't know. That, that's pretty convincing. Well, what they're saying, it's pretty convincing. Well, let, let me tell you something. The word of God should be convincing to you because it is true. Selah. Let's just pause and think about that for a moment. How many times have you believed a lie? I have. Every time I sin, I believe a lie. And I've sinned a lot. Have you? How many are thankful we're saved by grace through faith, and that's the truth? How many are grateful for that? God is good. So the Bible is there to help you, but you have to build your life upon it. The Bible is there to strengthen you, but you have to live your life upon it. The Bible is there to to empower you to be the person that you've always dreamed about being, but you have to rely upon it. You have to trust it because it's true, and it's there to help you. In fact, number three, write this down, that the Bible helps us with our past our present, and our future. But the Bible helps us in all three areas. It helps, us, it helps us deal with our past, it helps us deal with our present, and it helps us to not only know the future, because the Bible tells us what's going to be happening in the future, but it helps us to stay encouraged about the future and to trust God's hand in our future that we know we don't have to be fearful, we don't have to be afraid. No, we are being guided by our our Heavenly Father and our future looks great because we serve a great God. Let let me say it like this. In fact, the the greatest scripture that I know of that really proves this point is 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 2 through 4. And I love the New King James Version uh, 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 the best as far as translation goes because it, it really develops this idea in a way that it, it's, they, they all say the same thing, but this really just conveys it in a way that makes it easier to get. And, and it says this, and this is, of course, Paul is writing to Timothy, who's a pastor of a church, and he says to Timothy, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Like, be ready all the time to do what? To preach the word. Like, like you need to know the word of God that at, at a moment's notice you can tell people what the word of God, when I was ordained as, as a pastor, and I never use the word reverend because sometimes I'm just not very reverent. You know what I'm talking about? Like how many are not very reverent sometimes? So I don't like, don't ever call me, I mean you can. I, it's not like I'm gonna punch you, but, uh, I, but a reverend, I am not a reverend. Like I don't feel like a reverend. A pastor, yes, but I know me and I'm not very reverent sometimes. So that being said, he's saying, hey, uh, you need to be ready in season and out of season. So when I was ordained, one of the things that they proclaimed towards all of us that were being ordained was, hey, preach the word. And all of you preachers, you be ready in season and out. Know the word of God so much that at a moment's notice, you can recall what it says and tell somebody the truth, that you can tell somebody the truth. Now, He's saying this to Timothy. You gotta be ready. You've gotta know the word. You gotta preach the word and you gotta be ready to preach it. And then he says, this is how. You have to convince, rebuke, and exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. 
Now, let, let me break that down for you. There is your, your past, your present, and your future. You have to convince, you have to rebuke, and you have to exhort. Convince, rebuke, exhort. And what it means is this. Hey, listen, all of you, all of you have a past. All of you do. I do too. I have a past too. And for those who don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, they have a past and are living that past. Like they're living in sin is what I'm trying to say. And he goes to Timothy and he says, Timothy, listen, you've got the word in you. You need to be ready in season and out of season. You gotta preach that word. And you gotta convince people that their future could be so much better than anything they've ever experienced in the the past. You've got to convince them about the good news of grace, about the gospel of Jesus Christ. You have to convince them that, that says, hey, look at your life, but look at the life that you can have in Christ, not only in this life, but throughout all of eternity. You have to help people, watch this new song, you have to help people deal with their past. You have to help people deal with their past. You have to convince them that the God of grace can wash them clean, cleanse them from all unrighteousness, that they can be new creations in Christ Jesus. You've got to convince them that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. You have to convince them. You've got to help them deal with their past. But he doesn't stop there. He said you have to convince, but then you have to rebuke too. Because some people in the present, they've experienced the Lord Jesus Christ, but in the present, they still have trouble making the right decisions. They still have trouble building their life on the truth of God's word, and sometimes they believe a lie. And he says, when you see believers who are believing a lie, who are heading in the wrong direction, he said, you got to rebuke them. The Bible says in another place that we have to, if somebody is, if, if a believer is, is caught in sin and living a life of sin, then, then the mature have to go rescue that person, have to go to that person, explain to them what's going wrong. And the Bible says you're rescuing them as if, they're, as this, as if you're rescuing them from a fire. In fact, from the fire. Like, how many know that's pretty important? You know what? There's been a lot of times that I've had some difficult conversations with people that I did not want to have, but they were straying from the truth, and I knew the Word of God that told me I have to go to them and rescue them as if I'm pulling them out of the flames. And great is the day in the, in the life of a pastor when somebody looks you in the eyes and says, wow, I have blown it. I am so sorry. I got to bring this before God. I got to repent. Pastor, help me. Hold me accountable. I don't want to live that life. And they and they surrender and they say, "Wow, what a fool I've been. I repent of that." Oh, that's a glorious day. But sometimes they don't. And those are the heartbreaking days. And did you know that pastors aren't the only ones that every Christian is called to go rescue believers who are living in sin? Teach them the word of God and say, please come back. Please align yourself with the word of God because your best future is built upon God's word. Your best future is not when you embrace a lie. It's not when you've been deceived. It's not when you live in sin. Your best future comes when you align yourself with the word of God. And all of us have been called to do that. All of us. And I take those verses seriously. You say, well, that's not fun at all. No, but it's driven by love. And because I love you, I'm going to try to rescue you.
because I love you, I'm going to go after you. Because I love you, I'm going to say some things that maybe you don't want to hear, but you need to hear. How many have done that with your children or your grandchildren? You told them things that they didn't want to hear, but they had to hear it because you love them. You said it to them. So we speak the truth. The Bible says we speak the truth in love. And if you love God and you love people, you're going to find yourself going after those who are disobedient to the word of God. The Bible says when you do that, you are blessed. You are rescuing them from the flames. Incredible. So rebuke. It's not fun, but it's beneficial. It's not fun, but it helps people prosper and be successful. It's not fun, but it has to be done. But, but, but here's a good one. He said, you convince, you rebuke, and then you exhort. Exhort is to strongly encourage. It's not just a, oh, it's going to be okay. No, that's not, that's, not, that's not exhort. Exhort is to strongly encourage. Let me say it like this. It's strongly placing courage inside of somebody else. It's strongly getting together with them and walking through it with them and saying, hey, I'm not only going to speak the truth, but I'm going to walk this out with you as I encourage you, as I place courage in you concerning the things of God. And, and ex- exhortation has to do with their future. It has to do with, listen, listen, I want the very best for you down the road, so I'm going to place this courage in you. I'm going to encourage you, and I'm going to hold you accountable, and, and I'm going to teach you the Word of God. I'm going to help disciple you, and that way it's going to point you in the right direction. It's going to lead to your best future if we just do this together, if we just follow the Word of God together. It's going to lead to your best future. You see it? So, so the word of God deals with our past, it deals with our present, it deals with our future. We convince, we rebuke, we exhort. And actually the Bible's full of places that say very, very similar things, but let's keep, keep reading. It says it helps us deal with our, our past, our present, our future. We convince, we rebuke, we exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. Verse 3, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. It, let me tell you what this is. It, it's really saying this. As time goes by, you're going to see this more and more and more, that people won't want to hear the truth They are going to give an ear to people who will deceive them and lie to them because they want to hear some, they want to hear a certain something. And if, and if they can't hear it from who they're around, they're going to go find somebody who's saying that and they're going to align themselves with that. Here's the way it happens, everybody. Here's, here's what happens in, in, in New Song. Here's the way it happens as parents. Let's do that first. You have a child. No, no, son, you can't do that. Okay, dad. And three minutes later, hey, mom, can I? Because my, my itching ear wants to hear a yes, but dad didn't give me yes, so I'm going to go to mama. You know how many people, can I tell you something? It, 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 you'll, he, how do I say this? <laughs> hey, let me say it like this. You know how many people have come to, 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 uh, to me and they said, Hey, Pastor, I want to meet with you. And I looked at him, I, I thought you were meeting with Paul Spossick, or I thought you were meeting with Dr. Bill. Well, I was, but I'm not now. I want to meet with you. No, and we have a rule here at New Song. This, I just want you to know our rule up front. If, if you counsel with one person, you stick with that one person. We don't switch people. Why? 
People want that because they, they hear something that they don't want to hear from somebody, and so then they go to somebody else. Well, my itching ear really wants to hear this, and so if this guy isn't saying this, then I'm going to try to go to this guy because I want somebody to side with me. But here at New Song, let me tell you something. We always side with the Word of God. And I promise you, what Dr. Bill is going to tell you is what I'm going to tell you because we base our counsel on the Word of God. And you'll probably regret the day that you come and talk to me. I'll make you cry because I have that tendency because I'm a black and white kind of guy. Actually, I've, I've really grown in that. Actually, I'm, I, I do really well these days just encouraging people. You, you, you won't cry. I just say that for fun. But the truth of the matter is we only, we only let, if you're, if you're in counseling here, we only let you see one person. And, and that, that's for your good and it's for our good too. That being said, how many times have people left a church We've seen it here at New Song. I have been preaching something before. and Sometimes, you know, I'm not afraid to, 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 to tackle topics that are huge in culture where culture is going the wrong direction. I, in fact, I feel a call in my heart to counter culture. And I'll, tell, I'll say something that the world freely accepts, but God doesn't. And every time I do it, there are people who stand up and walk out and I never see them again. Because... The word of God, the truth of God's word is not what they want to hear. They just want to hear what their itching ears want to hear. And they're going to go find somebody who just ignores that part of the Bible. Here at New Song, we refuse to ignore any part of the Bible. In fact, the Bible says there are times in your life that you should be bothered. There are times in your life that you have believed something that you should not believe that was not in alignment with the word of God and your heart needs to be changed. You don't need to walk out of this place mad and go to another church. You need to embrace the fact that God teaches it in his word and you need to embrace it, not walk away from it. This is good stuff. My my wife and I said this before we ever planted the church. What if there was just a life-giving, Bible-believing church? What would that look like? What would it look like if there was just a life-giving, Bible-believing church? Welcome to New Song. Because that's what we are. We love the grace of God, but we stand true to the Word of God. And I'll always let the Word of God trump my opinion and even trump your opinion. Because the Word of God stands forever. So, Let's write these things down and we're coming to an end. The Bible is only life-changing. It's only life-changing because the Bible is there to help you be changed from your past, your present, your future, remember? But the Bible is only life-changing when I accept its authority. You have to accept its authority. And I'm going to breeze through these. So listen quickly. You have to accept its authority. You have to, let me say it this way. You have to make it an authority in your life. When you come to a decision and you don't know what to decide, you go to the word of God and say, Father, tell me what to decide. Tell me what to choose. Tell me what to do. And I'm going to base my answer on your word. Okay? So you have to accept its authority. Here's what 1 Thessalonians 2.13 says. And we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it. You accepted its authority, not as a human word, but as it actually is the word of God, which is indeed at work in you, 
who believe. You accept the authority of the word of God. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, all scripture, all scripture is God-breathed. If scripture is God-breathed, shouldn't it be accepted? See, it only makes sense to me. Well, boy, if this is the word of God, I probably shouldn't walk away from it. It, 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 boy, I, I, I could go off on that for a second, but I, I better stick to it. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness. Now, stop right there. Do you see it right there? Useful in teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness. I, I could tell you that deals with our past, our present, and our future. Go to, go to the second thing here. Letter B. We assimilate its truth. So we accept its authority and we assimilate its truths. We assimilate its truth. Deuteronomy 8.3 says, He humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known. And he did this, God did this, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. You don't live by bread alone, but you live by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Joshua 1.8 says, Keep this book of the law, always on your lips and meditate on it day and night so that you shall or that you may be careful to do everything written in it then you will be prosperous and successful you'll be prosperous and successful if you meditate on it if you dive into it how often everybody once a week just on sunday morning no it says day and night L- listen everybody listen 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 bible reading bi- let me say it this way better Studying your Bible should be a daily routine in your life. It is a small habit that that leads to huge changes. It's a small discipline that leads to big changes in your life. And it needs to be daily in your life that you you are engaged in the Word of God and ingesting the Word of God. Because man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of our Father. Let, let me say it like this, everybody. This is so cool. When we were in Istanbul, which is kind of a major airline hub in that area, I saw this Orthodox Jew that, that was um, studying his, his Bible, and he took it very literal, and, and I don't have really time to explain this, but they, they would often take, um, Orthodox Jews will take a a, uh, a little box, and in it they'll put the law. They'll put the Ten Commandments inside of it, and they will place it. They will place it on their forehead, and, and it has a band, and so it just stays right there. And they look really weird. It looks like. Have you ever seen one of those those um, forehead uh, headlamps? Those little flashlights. You. It looks like that, except it's just a box. And and this Orthodox Jew had this on his head, and I knew what it was. And he's over in a corner, and he's reading. He's reading his book, and he's rocking back and forth, and. We heard stories, you know, it's like they're imitating maybe a candle, like the flicker of a candle flame, and of course, Old Testament symbols, or, or sometimes it's just rhythmic, that they're praying or chanting these prayers, and, and we don't really know the tradition behind it. We know that they do it, but we never heard the exact, just everybody has a view as to why it's like that. But one thing we do understand is why they put this law here, because the Bible says in one verse that we, you know, we write it on our foreheads. It, it should be prominent, so they have it right there, right there. But you know how it is when you, before you get on a, on, a, on, a, on a plane, especially when you're about to take an 11-hour flight, those are miserable. And what do you do, what do, you do before you get on the plane? 
Just don't make me say it, everybody. You say it. Where do you go? Come on, you go to the bathroom, all right? You just go to the bathroom. One more time, better make sure, you know, it's going to be a long plane ride. So I just leave for a, little, for, for a little while, just a couple minutes, and I come right back. And that guy is back sitting in his chair, and that little box is off of his forehead, and he has his, his, um, his ear, earbuds in, and he's listening to music or, or, or whatever. And I think to myself, I thought, what advantage does that have? You put the law here on your forehead, and you rock back and forth, but it was just on the outside. It wasn't on the inside. You didn't, you didn't necessarily assimilate its truth. You just put it on your forehead. You had it. You had the look, but I don't understand. Now, now I, don't see, I don't see how you look different from anybody else now that that thing has gone off of your head. And then, and then it hit me, everybody. You say, yeah, that is a weird custom. Yeah, that is really weird. Why would they just put it on their forehead and, and, not, really, and not really just totally thoroughly dive into it or, 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 or really study it for what it is? Because when you go to the wailing wall and you see all these guys like chanting prayers and they're rocking back and forth, they have this huge library. Has anybody ever been there before? No? They have this huge library that's just on the inside. It, it actually, you have to go inside and that, that, that wailing wall actually extends to an interior portion and in there, there are books, just rows and rows and rows of books. It's a huge library. And they just pull a book out, and they start reading these prayers. And so I asked an Orthodox Jew, I said, well, where do they get all these prayers from? He said, I don't even know. Like, most of these people that write these prayers, I don't know who they are. We just, we just sit here. They've been approved, and so we, did, we just sing and pray these prayers. And I thought, wow, that's not even, that's not even the Word of God. That's just man's take on the Word of God. What if they're wrong? Like, you're, you're praying this prayer, but what if that prayer is wrong? I thought, boy, this is so interesting. They, they put the word right here. They, they pray prayers that we don't even know is true. And you think, yeah, that's weird. Why would you put that little box here? Why would you, why, can, I ask you, can I ask you a question? This is what God showed me. Yeah, they put the, they put the law on their forehead. But you put your book on the nightstand. You put your book on the coffee table. You put your book on the kitchen table, and how often do you actually open it up? And if people walk into your house and they see a Bible there, they, they might think, wow, this guy really loves Jesus. This girl really loves Jesus. But I know something that they don't know, that there's a lot of people that keep their Bible out on display but never pick it, pick it up and ingest what's inside of it. They never pick it up and assimilate the truths that they found inside of the word of God. How many know what I'm talking about? But yeah, it's there. You have the right look, but you never allow it to change you. And could it be that in our culture, we're doing exactly what a lot of Orthodox Jews do? They have the right look. But that doesn't mean that they've embraced the truth. Because if they embraced the truth, they would love Jesus Christ. But boy, do they have the look. So we accept its authority, we assimilate its truth, and let us see, we apply its principles. We apply its principles. James 1.22. Do not merely listen to the word of God and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Well, pastor, what if I disagree? I love you, but I don't care. 
But pastor, what, what if I just disagree with it? I shouldn't say I don't care because ultimately, you know me, I do care. I wouldn't be teaching you this lesson if I, if I didn't care. I want you to embrace the word of God. What I'm saying is, if you say, well, what if I read something I just don't agree with? Let, let, me, let me say it this way. The word of God is eternal. It stands forever. And the Bible isn't what needs to change. You need to change. See, this is what happens, everybody. You pick up the word of God and you start reading it. But what you find out after you begin reading the word of God is actually the word of God starts reading you. It starts reading you. Something inside of you says, wow, I gotta fix that in my life. That's not, that is not right in my life. There's some things that I believe that the word of God says no to. And, uh, in that moment, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Let me tell you what I do. I should say it this way. Let me tell you what I've done. So I don't, I don't remember disagreeing with the Word of God in a really, 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 really long time. Because I've just learned to embrace it as truth. But this is what I would encourage you to do. You come across something, you're like, oh, I don't really like that. I don't know if I agree with that. If you tell God to change his word, I promise you this, he won't. It stands forever. It's eternal. It's unchangeable. It's not him who needs to change. It's you. It's me. We need to align ourselves with the Word of God because the Word of God is true. And we, when we build our life upon it, then we'll experience our best future. Would you stand up with me just for a moment? I, I want to say this too, that, and I, I want everybody's just full attention to this point, because this is pretty serious stuff. In that, it's only going to get worse over the next few years until the Lord Jesus comes again. Culture, culture, culture is running away from the truth found in God's Word. It's running in, in the opposite direction. And the very things that God says is a sin is what the world says is good. In fact, the Bible said that that was going to happen, that we would get in the end times, we would get to this point where, where we would call evil good and we would call good evil. And that's happening in America right now. It's happening right now. And at some point, you're going to be challenged internally by yourself as you're sitting in front of a television or through a friend or at work, at some point you're going to be challenged and you're going to have to answer this question, do I believe the word of God or not? Do I hold to the word of God or not? 
Am I going to agree with God or not? And if you don't agree with God, you're obviously agree, you're agreeing with the world. And at some point, if you haven't answered that question yet, you will, you'll have to. And listen to your pastor today. When you get asked that question, please, for your benefit, for the benefit of, of your family, for the benefit of those around you, for the benefit of your future, choose God's word. Please, choose God's word. Stand up for truth. In a world that is very dark, be a light. It's one day we have to give an account for our choices, for where we landed on issues just like this. And as for me, I've chosen, as for New Song, as, as the pastor of New Song, I've made a choice. We will build our lives on the Word of God. And the Word of God will expose everything that is a lie. But I refuse to embra embrace lies. I embrace his word. I embrace the truth. Because my best future is found in it. And I know that. And this world will not reward me for choosing the Bible. <laughs> Did you know that? This world is not going to reward me for being a man of God. A man of the word. Oh, but one of these days God is. He's going to reward me. He's going to look at me and say, Justin, well done, good and faithful servant. You stuck to it in hard times when culture was changing. You held to the word of God. I'm so proud of you. Here is your reward. Welcome to your reward. Oh, and it's going to be worth it on that day. It's going to be worth it on that day. So I don't take the word of God and shove it down people's throat, and I don't get angry about it. I love people. You know me. I love people. And I minister to them, and I, I'm patient with them, and I, I try to instruct them concerning the things of God, but as much grace and mercy as God's shown me, I show that same grace and mercy to other people. I just speak the truth in love, but I always hold to the Word of God. And there's some of you in this room that know that full well, because I've had conversations with some of you in this very room. And I've brought you back to the Word of God. I said, no, no, listen. Listen to the Word of God. Please don't go that direction. And you listened. And I'm so proud of you for listening, for agreeing with the Word of God. I'm so proud of you. But more than me just being proud of you, can I tell you, God's proud of you for holding to His Word. And He'll reward you greatly for it. The Spirit of the Lord is here. I'm speaking this prophetically to you. I'm sharing the heart of God with you. New song, we hold to the Word of God. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, oh, we see the flaws of this world. We see the sins of this world. We see the direction of this world. We see the lies that this world is embracing. And we know in our heart of hearts that it's wrong because we know the truth that's found in your word. And today we make a commitment to your word. We make a commitment to truth.
Come on, new song. If you're going to make a commitment to the Word of God today, would you just raise up your hand and show the Lord, today's the day. I'm just making a commitment to the Word of God. I'm going to hold to the truth found in the Word of God. I'm going to accept its authority. I'm going to assimilate its truth. I'm going to apply the principles in the Word of God. I'm going to live my life according to the Word of God. No matter what culture says, no matter about the, what the world says, my neighbors, my co-workers, my family members, I'm going to build my life on the Word of God because it declares my best future awaits when I align myself with truth, when I align myself with the Word. So, Father, we make this commitment today. We're all in. We're all in in our relationship with you. We're all in on your Word. We want to be the people that you've called us to be. Father, we reject every lie that, that the devil would tell us, every lie that the enemy would, would whisper into our ears. We reject every lie of culture, every lie of our society, and we declare we will not believe lies. We will not believe what the enemy would tell us, but we will hold to your truth. We will boldly and lovingly declare the truth found in your word. Father, your word is eternal and it stands firm forever. And we know that you're going to reward us one day. And we say thank you for that, Lord. Thank you for honoring us as we choose to honor you. Thank you, Father, for blessing us as we live our lives to bless you as we hold to the word of God. That's our choice today. And we make that declaration that we are people of your word, that we are Bible believers. And we thank you for allowing us to, to have access to your word. We thank you for the spirit of God that guides us into all truth. And Father, we do thank you for your word. Thank you for your word. Change us with it, we pray. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in what God is doing through your life, and we would love to continue on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to mynsc.org connect. Thank you to all of you who consistently give, serve, and pray. You are the ones that God is using to truly make a difference in our community as we live out our mission of leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. We hope you tune in next week.